What up, guys? Welcome back to the Mask Off Podcast. Uh, today we have a two-parter episode. For you guys, you'll only be seeing the first half. Um, the week after, I'll release the second with Mr. Jack Pierce, the author. I just want to say thank you guys for tuning in and all your support. Uh, it's been fun, and I'm just going to keep doing my thing. We'll see what happens. Uh, a good friend of the podcast passed away recently one of the original supporters and he was actually supposed to be on the podcast this week um second week of july or third week whatever it is right now but yeah it's uh unfortunate just wanted to let you guys know i love you thank you and just keep carrying on all right guys enjoy the episode what's going on guys welcome back to the mask off podcast today i'm here with jack pierce um he's an author and he's also a podcaster going on buddy how are you i'm doing all right how are you doing not bad dude not bad so give us the rundown man i know you're uh, a horror author i've seen you're on the amazon top sellers that's that's pretty neat dude that must be something give us a little rundown yeah well uh, i've basically uh written 11 books total and 10 of actually available for sale right now uh, one was a box set but we discontinued it because it was just you know there's no way to price it accordingly you know once the book prices went up for the individual copies but anyway that's just boring you know background stuff the point is you know I've, I've got 10 books out right now and i just felt like it was time to after writing 10 books in three years it was kind of time to move on to a different project not saying quit writing or you know the stories are not ever going to come back or anything but they're you know on hold right now because i wanted to you know stop you know take stock of what I've done basically. Cause you know, it's kind of, you know, go, go, go all the time with the whole book industry. And, um, I decided to start a podcast called, uh, called terror tracks where I more or less, you know, teach you how to, you know, write books. Cause I've done it for so long and, um, had so much success, you know, for better or worse, I guess you could say. And, um, I, I just like to give people like the insider look that I feel like a lot of people don't get, from you know a lot of places you know where you look up author advice and you just don't get specifics you know what i mean yeah man absolutely like it's it's good to have and that's the beauty about like podcasting and just the there's so much knowledge out there now that people can just give it all you know like what you're doing for the writing community like you're you're giving you're giving this knowledge that people like would never run across and everyday life let's say like 10 15 years ago right yeah so that's that's sick dude 10 10 books um they're all available on amazon i know there's a link i'll put the link to your uh podcast and uh your books um in the description when the video slash audio is out but uh how did you how did you get into writing dude like what do you just one day say this is what i'm doing or what I was never really a bookworm by any stretch of the imagination, which is something that most writers would call blasphemous if I say that, <laughs> but it's true. Um, I was always a horror fanatic, you know, like when I was a kid, you know, I was really surrounded by, you know, the scream craze. Cause you know, I'm 32 now. So, you know, when I was six or seven scream came out yep. and it was just the biggest thing in the world, you know, like it was, you know, the nineties, you know, scream and then it was Titanic and then you know all of that stuff those are like the you know it was, i feel like back then movies were a lot bigger and like when a you know a monumental movie like scream came out you know something that really 
you know, revive the horror genre from what, you know, people said that it was kind of dying off at that point, which I could kind of see that, but you know, it, it gave it such a kick that, you know, scream was like everywhere. You know what I mean? Like in every movie was trying to be scream after that. So I was basically surrounded by all of this horror stuff. Like does that horror crazy, you know, cause in the nineties you had scream and are you afraid of the dark and uh, goosebumps and, you know, the twilight zone, I think was making a return near the early two thousands, all of this stuff. I was just kind of surrounded by it. And my whole thing was, you know, I wanted to make movies. I wanted to make, you know, movies of some kind, but you know, when you're six years old, you know, no camera, no actors, no talent. <laughs> and it just, you know, I really wanted to put stories down, but you know, a pen and paper cost a dollar. So that's how I really got into the writing, you know, aspect of it. And then eventually, you know, over time, you know, I just wrote a lot of your usual teenage stuff, fan fictions about Hellraiser and all that. But it really came down to, I had stories to tell. And by the time that I was able to tell them properly, which was, you know, the first book I published, I really don't think that I could have made it a movie. You know, maybe somebody else could, but I wouldn't be able to capture what was on the page on the screen like i don't have that type of talent or that um type of you know money or even you know i can't imagine the first book being on the screen but maybe it could you know lord of the rings was you know a series that was on movies and you know that had a lot of craziness going on but i don't, I don't know maybe it will become a movie one day uh, you know you can hope that's the hope you write a great book and it becomes a movie that's what i'm hoping is eventually going to happen but who knows yeah, man. You no, you know what, dude? You got to keep that positivity. Like you just got to keep that energy that there's a possibility and you never know, man. Like where I think as of recently, the movie industry has been hurting for a good horror film. Like like there hasn't been a big boom how there was there was in the 80s, in the 90s, in the early 2000s, but like in the last like 10 years or so there's been some good horror films but there hasn't been a big boom like how there has been with like how marvel's doing right now but like remember in the yeah. 80s, like the 90s like like you're saying with scream everything wanted to be scream everything wanted to re revolve around that it was just like the craze right mm -hmm. so you never know dude like that's all it takes is one one i guess director producer to see your stuff and just say this i got a vision for this and i can put this into motion and next thing you know, dude, you're doing it. So let's hope to that, dude. That'd be sick. That would be fucking, that'd be awesome. I think the problem is that there's just really, it's so hard to break a new IP out there. That's going to be like, you know, a big landmark achievement. Like, you know, the Halloween, the first Halloween movie or the first Friday, the 13th or the first, you know, nightmare on Elm street movies, these three, you know, the three iconic you know, horror films that everyone thinks of when you think of, you know, a horror film, you are almost always going to say Jason, Freddie and Michael yep. are like your top three, probably. And I love them. I love, you know, all of those movies. I think the, you know, the best of each series would probably be, I don't know about Friday the 13th. I need to watch them all again, but I'm just going to see part three. Cause that's when he got his mask. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was, that was, that's when I'll give for that one. Jason got his mask in part three. Uh, the best Freddy movie was part three, just barred on nothing touches it. I yeah. actually like part two, which is a very hot take because a lot of people hate the second part, but I actually like it. And I think they really had a neat con. So like invasion of the body snatchers and Freddy Krueger. I think that kind of worked. And, um, 
But the third one was the best in that, and then the best Halloween movie was the second one. It. I'm trying to. It's been so so yeah. <laughs> so long since I've seen any of those. I'm definitely gonna have to dive in. Like I'm. I don't even know, man. Like I'm trying to think the most recent Freddy movie I've seen. I mean, I've seen the most recent one, but like, yeah, dude, it has been so long. I'm going to have to dive back in because now I'm just getting excited thinking about it. It's like, it's like seeing it all over again for the first time. But I know once I start watching it, I'm going to be like, ah, shit. Okay. I remember this now, but yeah, man. So that's, you got your inspiration. Would you say from those three or more so scream? Probably Scream was the original, you that, know. That's what set it off. That's what set I think it was Scream and the first Terminator were like my top two, you know, for a long time. Damn, dude, Term. I didn't even, I didn't even put Terminator in there, but that was sort of the beginning of that, sort of like scary. I remember as a kid watching that, the Terminator, and I'm like, I think Terminator was like the original, not not T two, which was great. That was probably the one of the best you know action films of yeah. all time was probably t2 I, I i disagree with that i think there's some better ones even better <laughs> arnold movies at that you well, know i think commando is actually a little bit better yeah um I, the only thing i didn't like about t2 was just the fact that you know you know i swear to not kill anybody and it's <laughs> like are you serious like you're a terminator you terminate stuff like like did he kill anybody the entire movie i get that you know you're not supposed to kill or whatever but it's a terminator movie so it kind of you know, you neutered this, you know, mega robot, you know, and whatever, and just had your sort of, uh, what would you call it? Like a King Kong versus Godzilla movie that just got neutered. And it's like Godzilla, you can't tear down any buildings <laughs> during this fight. That's what it felt like. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> that's what it felt like to me. It's like, I get it. I get the CGI, I get the action scenes. All of it's great. You know, T2 is one of the best movies ever, but it's just a lot of lost potential because and I'm not saying he should have went around killing everyone left and right. Like he did in the first movie, but let him have a body count, you know, let him have at least a few humans. He puts out. No, I, you I, know. I, I absolutely agree with that, man. And that's, that's Hollywood, right there. They got to appeal to the, unfortunately they appeal to sales and people. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's a tough part now. And here's a question for you. So let's say a big producer did come up to you and say, Loved your books. We want to put them into like you have 10 books. So like, let's say a Netflix series. We're going to do like a, mm-hmm. um, we'll turn your 10 books into four or five seasons. I don't know, but they start, they really want to change crucial parts. They want to change, um, characters or body counts or like, would you be okay with that? Or is, is like, would you be like, no, like what I have is like, this is what I want to see. No, nah, the price is right. I'll just let them do whatever they want. <laughs> I don't care. Because okay, so <laughs> the thing is, like, you know, they're going to end up, and I, I bring this up all the time. My favorite book of all time is Jurassic Park. Like, bar none, there's no book better, I don't think. You know, in the horror genre, especially, because Jurassic Park, the book was a horror novel. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't like the movie at all. Really? And, I've, you know, it really it. wasn't. It was really, really dark. Oh. <laughs> and it was really, really good on top of that. Like Jurassic Park was so damn dark that you they couldn't put the stuff on the screen. They probably get an X rating. It was so dark. Really? But um, I love it. It's and it's written perfectly. Like the prose is just, you know, smooth as silk. It just moves. There's no filler. There's no long dissertations about bullshit. It's just, it is like the perfect. 
it's just written perfectly man it's like that's on a technical level it's a masterpiece to me it just it gets it right everything is right in wow. that book okay and, I, I gotta um, check that i gotta check that out because i never even thought to even read that book ever in a million yeah, years yeah it's so good it is so good and um the crazy thing is i think only one person in the movie actually died in the book like you know this like completely different people died in different ways you oh. know there was no clever girl no guy got eaten on the toilet none of that happened oh, okay so so hollywood once again kicking in and doing its own thing they um, they took the uh, they took the sort of they took the overall idea of jurassic park just like you know the, the concept of yeah. you know john hammond is in it you know alan grant is in it you know all the main characters are in the book but there's just so much more going on to it and it's just like so much different you know it's just a lot different and you know it's really not even that much about dinosaurs really i mean a lot some of it is but yeah it's nowhere near as much about dinosaurs as you would think a book called jurassic park would really be i mean it's a lot of stuff going on in it but i, I really love that book and i want to write something eventually that well done i've tried many times now <laughs> and, and maybe i have i don't know i haven't went back and read my books maybe one of my books is better i don't i don't know i haven't really you know, you write a book and you go through the editing process and by the end, you just don't want to ever look at it again. <laughs> you know, like, just fuck this thing. I'm done with <laughs> it. It's like, fuck this thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> you deal That's with how it. you know the book is good is because when you get to the point of fuck this thing, I don't want to ever look at it again. That's when you know that you've edited it to the point where the customer will love it. Because, you know, when you read my books, you can't see the frustration and the, you know, the moments where I just get mad and tell myself i'm a piece of shit and i'm a terrible writer and why do i even have any sales why am i best-selling author am i really that good i'm not as good as i thought it would you know you go through all these sort of like self-defeating things during the editing process but like you just you start to hate yourself during the editing pro of every book <laughs> it's just you just find this <laughs> new <laughs> hatred this deep dark hatred. This, yeah you just hate yourself during it and if you don't hate yourself because there's some people like oh i love the editing process i'm like you're full of shit there's <laughs> no way there's no way unless you're like an english teacher or something like for me it's like literally pulling my own teeth without anesthetic it sucks it's just you know it's painful it's long it's tedious you just you know, I really don't even, you know, because to me, and I know this may sound a little arrogant, but it's it's partially true, really, is I write in a way where the plot doesn't really have the ability to, you know, get convoluted and fucked up. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't have it in a way where, like, I have to worry as much about plot holes or things like that. You know, maybe in the first book, yeah, I had to worry about it, but I've kind of... I've got a I've got a format down more or less where the book is basically modular when I write it. Okay, no, that makes sense. So, like you found you found what your key basically you found what works for you, right? Yeah, so I don't have to worry about the structure of the novel really because all the novels go in kind of like a linear path. They like start at point A and they ended up at point C. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And the way i the way i write and you know i know this might turn some people off is i write as if i was watching a movie in my head and i'm just typing what's going on in the movie like as it goes so each chapter i feel is almost like a scene in a movie you know so oh, if you're okay so that's how i write it is like uh, each movie each scene is a chapter 
Okay. And, uh, but do you like, you know, like when you read a novel, you sort of get every detail and, and you, like sometimes your brain like falls in love with what you're reading so much so that like it's so vivid. Like, do you, do you, have you been told that you give that experience to people that like other books do? No, but I did get told one time that I was the second coming of Stephen King, which I thought was a little much of a stretch, okay. but I thanked him, of course. But that's fucking, you know, dude, I, thought, that's I thought that was a stretch. Yeah, I know it's huge. And like, to me, I don't even like from, you know, starting where I was before being, you know, an, a full time author or whatever you want to say, you know, but before I was a best selling author and where I am now, I don't feel like I'm any different. Like, I don't feel like a, uh, like a lot of times I, my imposter syndrome is legendary <laughs> it really really is because at some point you you get so used to these creative ventures failing no one gives a shit no one you know praises you no one you don't have rabid fans you just and you just don't feel like to say you just you know yeah you have sales but at the same time i mean you don't get that much money from it you mm. know because it all goes into ad costs to because you have to pay all this money to get advertising and all this time you put in and just you know it's almost like a peric victory is i guess the word for it i don't know if that's the right you know you pretty much lost so much to, what did you really win even after <laughs> you win the battle that's what it feels like to me is a peric victory yeah um, i mean until until you know it gets out there so much that once you know you keep going with these books eventually people are already waiting waiting for you to write them so hopefully the ad cost goes down a bit right you would you would think but at the same time coke and pepsi both you know do stuff during the super bowl that is true you're absolutely you know i've I've, I've had that so i've had people say that to me they're like oh well you know eventually you'll get big enough like stephen king and never have to promote again i'm like well stephen king has to put his own you know his brand new book in like you know all 50 of his old books like it was publisher does that but they have to do that and i'm sure that they put little kiosks up everywhere and posters and signs you know at the front of barnes and noble or you know like little books you know you, there's little tables with all his books and stuff on it and you know the little someone has to make the flyer that's like you know this brand new seller of stephen king you know this brand new horror novel whatever yeah you know whatever you know so yeah i gotta go through all that well the thing is i have to do all that i don't have a publisher that does all that for me you know anymore not anymore but now i don't but um and you know, even when I was doing, I had so much input with it that it was almost as if I was doing it all myself anyway. So it was just, you know, like I told you before we were on air, I basically anything that can can be possibly cut out of my life has to be cut out. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I'm only one guy. I can't see. I'm running two companies already, and I tell this to people all the time. And they probably think I'm, you know, an arrogant sack of shit for this. <laughs> but I, I was originally published through a company called project phoenix okay and i had a good relationship with them but the problem was that you know it wasn't even a control thing it was just the fact that i felt like i was doing more work than i was getting paid for and that's really what it was okay you know i, I felt like the other partners in the company were more or less you know kind of money leeching middlemen you know to because I was getting 20% on the books when, you know, the company got 70 and they got their cut. And I was like, why are you getting a cut when you're not doing anything? Yeah. Well, at least I felt that way. Yeah. You know, maybe they were doing a little something, but it was almost <laughs> always me. But the problem was, like, it was almost like everything I had to do, you know, everything I did, I had to pass by them. So now I'm waiting on them to tell me yes. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, you're always going to tell me yes anyway, because I'm the, I'm the author, you know I mean? 
you know, I'm the one that's out here doing all the research. Y'all are just sort of there with the thumb up your ass. But anyway, that's drama. One <laughs> is this drama. Yeah, book drama. We have book drama, have folks. Book drama. You sound yes, like, you sound like you're getting a little fired up there, dude. A little <laughs> bit. Yeah, I mean, I eventually. So what I ended up doing, to long story short, is when, before I put out the books, uh, The Snow White Murders, Dreamer, Bring Me a Dream, and uh, KIA, which just came out about a week ago, oh, which is K is, a, uh, K is Away. So those uh, those came out. What I more or less did was I basically said, all right, you know, I want to retain all the rights to my stuff because I wrote it. And, you know, I will pay to have my rights to all of this stuff. And I want to start my own publishing company. And, you know, you go through all the, you know, the legal headache of, you know, having to go to your lawyer and get a, you know, this sort of corporation set up and on and on. I'm sure this show is riveting to all of your listeners. No, no, dude, I'm, the... I'm, I'm, I'm full on, like I'm in it. I'm sure they're in it too, bro. I'm fucking, yeah. I like hearing shit like this. Like, that's the thing too, about this podcast. Like you're the first author I've had on, I mean, it's a relatively new podcast, but like, I I'm like sort of living through what you're saying and like getting to experience it in my mind. And I, I know a lot of, <laughs> I'm sorry that you're know. experiencing this. No, shit no, dude, did. it's fucking, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's actually pretty cool because it's like the only time I'd ever basically hear about this or see this is in movies and talking to someone that actually did it and getting yeah. to like feel your personal experience and knowing it's real and personal. Like I'm sort of living it in my own way in like a, hippie trippy i don't know what the hell you want to call it but, <laughs> but yeah dude no i'm absolutely and a lot of my listeners are well i get a lot of like random dms on i guess social media instagram whatever and a lot of dudes like they love they love the content i have all kinds of different people on and uh people are happy with just hearing different people man like it's i have no no specific type of guest like you're i was so fucking excited to talk to you man because i'm like <laughs> like like an author like it's like, this flattering yeah you know what i mean yeah so and um you know that that's the thing well the thing is you know I, I come from a youtube background as well you know before i was an author i was a youtuber and um that's just a completely different beast entirely which isn't even <laughs> i mean we can go into that in a, maybe in a different episode because yeah. that's so much stuff attached to that but you know that we'd be here for two or three hours talking about my youtube days but um you know although you know from any pretty much i mean we'd have to go through like 10 years of history if we did that <laughs> because that's yeah. 2008 to 2018 and um before i finally canceled the entire thing and just you know everything kind of just got nuked and there's just no evidence of it now but you know people remember i'm i remembered in the hearts of many that i pissed off over the years <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you do what was your I, I was just i was just a you know well, part of it was I was kind of like a troll. Like I would just, you know, I wouldn't, you know, go and say, "Hey, you're fat. You're, hey, you're ugly, or whatever." But I mean, I would just, I was a guy that did not, you know, bow down to anybody above me. I was just sort of like a rebel, I guess, in whatever genre you could call what I was doing at the time. <laughs> and people didn't like me because if someone would say something shitty to me or my friends, I didn't care if you had, you know, five subs or five million. I tell you, go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know, and it would just be like this big drama that happens. Like, oh my god, he said, go fuck yourself. Okay, so you're you're just you're just a shit disturber. No, I'm kidding. That's awesome. Yeah, I was just I, like I was, that, I, was a, I was yeah, I was a shit disturber. Is what I really was. You know, at the end of the day, but yeah. I, I I just loved rattling cages back then. I still do love rattling cages now. I do it on Twitter a lot, but um, <laughs> just because it's fun. Because you got that energy, that negative energy has to go somewhere, and you know, 
it has to you have to do something with it so i yeah. mean you can put it into something productive or you can call you know someone like Vouch an asshole on twitter you know yeah <laughs> you pick one or the other but yeah man um well so when you are writing a book do you like this is what i've always been a question i've always had in my head and i'm glad i get to talk to an actual author to ask this question do you guys actually lock yourselves in fucking rooms for like weeks to write books or is that just bullshit I do that to begin with. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Any moment that I don't have to be at work, even when I'm at work, I'm pretty much locking myself in the back room, <laughs> not having to deal with anybody. I am so antisocial. It's insane in real life. But the problem is, you know, you eventually get to the point, you know, with you have so much else going on. You just want to minimize as much, you know, BS as possible. And, you know, the, the biggest cause of BS is people. You know, it really is. You know, this. Where does drama come from? If you if you're not out there communicating with a lot of people, where you know you don't have drama. That's true, man. So it's true. It's absolutely that's that is that's life, dude. If you don't and drama is the last thing I'm gonna put up with, and you know, just it, it makes the dating life a little bit difficult. But at the same time, I just I just I'm so swamped with work at this point, and I'm just, I'm just I don't know if one came along that really you know was you know knocked me out of the park or whatever i'd deal with it but i'm just i just don't care it's just like it's just an extra headache on top of all the other shit i got going on i've never you know i don't know if this is an author thing or just whatever thing i've never had a relationship where i felt that it gave me a benefit at the end of the day I, i've always thought that it was more like you know trouble more just just trouble they're just extra bullshit to deal with you know more shit on your and, brain that you just don't want yeah do yeah there's no reason to even do it you know i mean like uh i think it's so stupid these romance novels are just completely unrealistic <laughs> where um i see i always i'm such an asshole about this but i wrote the my first book was called under a morning star and you never know how a book is going to turn out you know because i was what really happened was i was writing audio dramas you know or create what do you whatever you call it the dramatic reading radio drama you know what i mean yeah um whereas there's no video but it's like a radio drama or dramatized audiobook i don't know what you would call it <laughs> anyway i wanted to more or less have that sort of thing which you know in hindsight i kind of have now because all the books are going to be on audible you know they're all you know seven of them are in the work for audible editions now so i guess it did have my radio drama dream come true wow in a way so that congrats, was cool bro, congrats on that. <laughs> yeah like, man do they set up who reads it or is that on you that's on me uh, oh, okay. you know it's crazy because i'll put up a book and i don't know maybe they do know me or maybe they're just desperate but i'll just have people jumping out of the woodwork a book goes up 48 hours later i got like 30 auditions wow. like, holy like wow it's <laughs> like i wish i could just throw out a tweet saying hey i want a girl for the night and just like 30 women just show up at my door you know of yeah. all shapes and sizes <laughs> just yeah. just just be able to pick one off the line you know i wish it was like that but no these these people come out and they just put out the little audition in like the first couple pages or something and you just pick the guy and you just wait for it to be done and just approve everything and then they go through all that and um you know they get there i think they get 25 percent of the bulk i get 25 no they get 20 percent. i get 20 percent. and audible gets 60 percent, which is bullshit Jeez. but that's but and then you also have to have the you know you have a seven-year agreement with audible that they own the rights to your 
audiobook version you know for seven oh, years okay that's which is kind of fucked up yeah it is but <laughs> i mean at the same time where else are you gonna go yeah auto, it's audible like honestly dude like it's audible it's or audible. nothing yeah like it, you're not going anywhere else in the world for an ebook like yeah it's the same thing you know audible you know which is owned by amazon amazon is the one that you know I, i've been doing this for so long that i don't think i've really gotten but maybe five ten fifteen copies of any of my books ever sold in Barnes and Noble or anywhere that wasn't Amazon. I mean, yeah, I mean, because Amazon, the thing, the great thing about Amazon is, you know, even though they do, you know, really get you with the print cost and all that, which at this point I've just given up on even caring about, (laughs) um, because they used to be like, well, I need to make this book this size so I can price it at this amount and just make it profitable. At this point, I'm just like, fuck it. If the novel is 20 bucks, if you can't, pony you have 20 bucks for 450 pages worth of work just don't read it yeah i mean that's how i feel at this point you know <laughs> but the thing is out for that 20 bucks i might make five yeah that's true and is are your books available in the ebook format is yeah that, ebook yeah. audible paperback um oh, so you got everything yeah i mean it's the the thing is um you know amazon prints the books they ship the books i don't have to do anything besides you know give them the the you know the manuscript and the cover and they handle all the other you know the manufacturing process so i don't have to deal with that that's awesome thank god yes that's i mean i i I gladly give them their percentage just for the fact that i don't have to order you know a thousand copies of my book and mail them out myself because i would go crazy if i had to yeah you know i I would take it they don't tell amazon this but i take an even lower percentage just for them to not make me do that in the future because that is just oh god just i can't imagine going to the post office every day like here's another four you know 40 books to sell or whatever you know they end up doing like that at that point could you imagine if you were jk rowling having to do that just how just having like you know a warehouse full of books and having to hire all these people just to ship your stuff and just you you never write another book again because you'd be like i just don't feel like putting another you know skew in this fucking (laughs) machine or i just don't feel like having another product to have to send out just yeah yeah but luckily amazon handles all that and i'm sure you know they somehow do it and they do it well and you know i have the copies and they look good and you know they come out perfect every time never had to you know really do a second draft of any paperback you know they just come out right you know somehow they're able to do that so you know I, i don't have to worry about that part but i mean being an author i mean it is really it's really stressful it's high stress low return because there's really not that much money in books you know when you already have you know all of this other nonsense going on whether it's you know like the the royalties that you know the place will take from you like amazon takes 30 percent of your ebooks you know they take uh this weird equation i think it's like to take your printing cost plus um the, like let's say it's book was just i don't i'm probably gonna fuck this formula up because i've done it a million times and screwed it up <laughs> you take your you take i think it's like you take your list price and then one way or another they take i think they subtract the printing cost which is like six bucks for like a um you know a 400 page will be probably be about six bucks and then at at, at, so what is that 14 dollars? so then you get 60 percent of that 14 dollars. that's what that's what you get yeah 
which comes out to about five, six, seven, eight bucks, something like that. Eight bucks. Something like that. I I don't know. I mean, but the equation is really weird and it's like they move the stuff around. I don't know. It's just whatever they give me is whatever they give me at this point. But (laughs) I've figured out more or less if it's if it's a novel it's 20 bucks flat you know that's what stephen king does i think some of his go up to 25 but whatever you know i'd say 20 bucks flat is a good list price because amazon will put it on sale anyway automatically without my input oh really but i still yeah so they'll like if i say you know 20 dollars and amazon's like all right well i want this book to sell at 15 i'll still get the same royalty that i would at 20 you know, but they, you know, dropped the price because they wanted to sell better this week or something. So they handle all that. So in a way I I own a publishing house, but Amazon is my distributor, I guess would be the word for them. So I own the actual publishing thing. And to get back to sort of finish the story from before the part about, um, the publishing house and breaking away from Phoenix is, you know, I've kind of, got off track of course i always do it's okay dude. I, promise, it's okay. I promise i don't do that in the books you know in the books is laser precise <laughs> it's, it's there on. is no rambling um except for maybe in one or two of them <laughs> maybe a little tiny bit of rambling it's okay but people love that shit like that's that's what gets you sort of in the in the zen you could say you know for some people yeah in the zen for you know there's, there's nothing going on you're just <laughs> hearing about stuff but um yeah so I basically did all the legal nonsense, you know, getting the S corporation set up for the, um, do the lawyers and having to pay those fees and deal with all of that drafting the charter and all that fancy stuff, the lawyers and the CPAs and all them do, you know, that's not all I got to do is basically sign the papers and pay the fee that they charge for doing those things. So yep. I ain't in it. Um, you know, name the company sky blue publishing, which is the company now. Um, went to the copyright office, went and did all the copyright paperwork. It was $60 a book. So that came out to 600 bucks. I think total. Yep. You know, maybe plus a little tax. So maybe let's just say 650 or 70. I can't 700. I can't remember if I had to pay tax or not, but I'm pretty sure I did. So you go through the copyright office thing, register all the books and all of that stuff. So I had the rights to them. Well, the thing was, which phoenix actually screwed up on and i owned a part of that and i sold my part to him so i kind of really didn't come out in debt at all you know but i didn't come out ahead either Mm. at the end of the day so i sold my part of the company and used that money to you know start sky blue more or less okay so i didn't lose anything in this entire ordeal except for time really maybe made a couple hundred bucks here the entire thing but i broke away from them and the thing that they screwed up with and thank god they did (laughs) was was the fact that they never uh they never copyrighted the books like officially with the library of congress they did the penman's copyright which is bullshit you shouldn't do that ever um (laughs) i know people will say stuff like you know it's if i write something that i own it you know because legally they say I have pen owners copyright and there's no reason to every copyright your book, you know, pay the fee to the library of Congress. And I'm just like, but it's on paper. If you do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, you, you have, you have, they said they literally mail you a paper that says you own the copyright to this thing. Yeah. You know, that's... you, you can go to the library of Congress and your book is there where if you ever, you know, cause the thing is, Let's say Stephen King never did that. 
you know, because of course he did probably the before it even saw an editor, they probably already copyrighted the damn thing, mm. you know, so no, before anyone would see it, let's just, let's just say Stephen King put out it and there was no copyright on it, no legal, you know, through copyright.gov. What's to stop you or me from going, taking a, you know, a PDF of that and then publishing it as, as our own and going to the copyright.gov and saying, yeah, I wrote this. Uh, nothing. And then suing Stephen King yeah. for the rights, you know, yeah. suing him for royalties of, you know, his own damn book. Cause he didn't yeah. copyright it. So, you know, I'm the one that owns the copyright. So, but he wrote it, but you don't have proof that he wrote it. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, no, absolutely. Like that, that right there, like that makes fucking sense. Like, why would you, why would you even want to chance it for whatever you said it was $60 a book you said, right? Yeah. What the fuck? There's no yeah. reason to chance it nope. at all. I mean, it's 60 bucks and it just, it doesn't, t it's not that hard. I mean, I could probably get through the entire application in two to three minutes. There's really not that much that goes into it. Hmm. Well, yeah, dude, that's, uh, that's fucking stupid. Like, Hey, you found a really good book that had the Pensman copyright, like you were saying. Just fucking PDF it, send that shit in. There you go. It's your book. Start suing the motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's actually what almost happened with. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but like, do you remember the React channel? Like the Fine Brothers tried to do that a couple years ago. I don't remember uh, like the Fine Brothers on YouTube. Yeah. Okay, I know who they are, but no, what happened? The, I forgot what year was maybe 2016, 2017. Someone can correct me in the comments on your YouTube, I'm sure. But they did this thing where they wanted to trademark the term, the, the react genre. Oh, they wanted the whole thing. Yeah. Can and they wanted that? to turn it into a network where you had to basically give them a cut or full control oh. of your reaction channel. So if you just wanted to. You know, do your own little thing, sit in your apartment and watch, you know, I don't know, whatever, heavy metal videos or something, yep. you know, like, they, like, because uh, a popular genre at that point, and still is, is, you know, like a, a rap fan watches, you know, black metal or something, you know, like watches a Bathory video or something, Okay. you know, something that's like completely that you would think a rap fan would hate, yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. Like that, cause that'll bring in a lot of clicks or, you know, people like, you know, rap fan or country fan will watch rap videos stuff but you know you do that sort of stuff and they wanted to have the ownership of all of that oh you can't fucking do that can you that, exactly and like, it didn't work it no. did not work how do you how do you copyright a genre that's like someone saying uh, i'm copywriting comedy like stand-up comedy yeah that's what they were trying to do though that's what they were trying to do oh and i'm guessing they got kicked in the teeth oh yeah people were mad i mean just everyone was mad because you know, if they did that, what's stopping someone to like, you know, like you said, trademark something like comedy or horror or whatever, yeah. you can't do it. No. And you know, what was it? Um, what, I forgot who it was. They said like Gene Simmons will basically try to trademark anything and, you know, like he'll do that so he can get royalties for everything. And I mean, you know, trademark is a lot different though. Trademark is really a lot more expensive than copyright yeah, and it's a different thing is, entirely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the difference between the, for your audience, at least I'm not, you know, I'm sure you know this, but they might not. The difference when it comes to, you know, creatively, you know, a trademark versus a, um, a copyright is a copyright protects, you know, your song, your book, your, the contents of it from being copied, you know, and, um, 
That's what a copyright does. So like, it basically means like you can't take a copy of Under a Morning Star and publish it saying that, you know, Mr. Gimp, you know, Under a Morning Star by Mr. Gimp and then start, you know, selling it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like you couldn't take the exact thing that I did and sell it as your own, you know, and put your credit on it. No. A trademark is completely different where you can make sneakers, but you can't call them Nike. Yep. Is what it is. Yeah. You you are you are you are basically putting your claim on a name for a brand that nobody else can use that particular brand without paying your royalty or just getting like no the you know I'm sure that everyone would love to be like you know um my crappy indie movie is a Disney film you know but it's not cuz <laughs> yeah. you don't have the, you can't no, do, you can't do that. that you can't slap Dis a Disney logo on your thing because it's trademark you get yeah. sued Oh yeah, big time. That's the big difference. And then I think there's a few other legalese things that you do with creativity stuff, but um the main one for that is, you know, really copyright and I got that for all of that, but you know, that's what you hear that a lot. That happens the trademark thing happens a lot more with bands and everything cuz you'll hear like um I think that's what happened with I'm not sure I'm, what music do you like? I like a little bit of everything. I'm mostly um I guess you would say like mostly R and B. I just I'm I'm an odd duck, man. I, I like I like I like to like groove and shit. I like when the music, I can feel the music, you know. And that's just what does it for me. Well, this is yeah. a little bit of everything. Like I got one of my uh, really good friends who's on the podcast with me with some podcast with me sometimes. He's um he's been in a bunch of metal bands, so I listen to some metal here and there just because he like points it out to me. A little bit of country. I have friends who listen to country rap rock whatever so a little bit of everything well the thing the the example i was going to give you know it might be over it might be over your audience's head i don't know how old you are and i don't know how old they are but um there was this band in the 70s that was called electric lights orchestra and you know they made it all yeah i know you know half their songs probably the big oh, ones sure. like uh strange magic and um yep. what's the other one Strange Magic is so cool. That's like that's a pot smoking anthem. You put oh, that yeah. on, you smoke pot, and it's just like yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> Online, you know the uh, the thing where from Billy Madison, where Steve Buscemi sitting there and puts the lipstick on his <laughs> yeah. mouth and all that. Yeah. You know that the telephone line was ELO. Anyway, um, I think it was whenever the last ELO album came out. I think the lead singer Jeff, whatever his name is, Jeff something he didn't have the rights to elo because the rest of the band wouldn't let go so he had to call it jeff i think it was jeff lynn uh oh. jeff lynn's elo so he had to put his name you know apostrophe s elo you know what i mean yeah that kind of sucks yeah so that so sort of like um they had to i really a much better example would be Dokken if you uh ever listen to them because after the back for the attack album which was their fourth album um they broke up and Don Dawkin, you know, that was his real name, was Don mm -hmm. Dawkin, the singer, wanted to make another album with different musicians because those people quit and they wouldn't give up the trademark. So he had to call his album Don Dawkin, like after himself. <laughs> you know, yeah. he couldn't use the Dawkin name because the other people wouldn't agree to it. And, um, you know, that's happened a few times. And, you know, I think. Uh, uh, even Black Sabbath had that problem happen with uh, the Seventh Star album, whereas you know it said Black Sabbath featuring Tony Iommi or some shit. Yeah, but 
you know, and Ozzy has caused all sorts of problems with, you know, Tony about the Black Sabbath name and, yep. you know, all sorts of nonsense. Just, yeah, it's just like, like it just, the creative field, you know, it's, it's wonderful. You know, if you're an artist or you're a painter or you're, a, you know, a podcaster, if you just, you know, you're independent, you're doing your little show, talking to people, you enjoy, you love, you know, it's relaxing, just. You know, a lot of people just listen to our shows to go to sleep and they don't think about the internal politics of it, but it can get messy. It can really get messy. Like, I think one of the biggest examples was pretty much the reason the Beatles broke up was really, they just hated each other and everybody was suing everybody else. And it was just a big mess, you know, and that's how a lot of these bands broke up was, you know, financial ego you know, all that stuff, you know, it comes in the past and, you know, people really, they really like to try to ignore, you know, they like to use the generic term artistic differences, which that's happened to me. And it's a legitimate thing that does happen. And okay. what it really boils down to is somebody didn't want to give <laughs> I mean, someone, yeah. it, someone, someone did not want to budge on something and just, you just, you know, they wanted to be the leader. They wanted to be bullheaded and they didn't want to listen to anybody. You're just tired of just the politics and the, you know, you don't want to play that type of music or you're just not getting, you know, that you're not going in the direction you want to go. And that's one of the worst feelings on earth is when you work with somebody that's not going to give for you. And, um, that it's sort of like any relationship, you know, you have to, you have to put in and you know get out you know what i mean oh absolutely yeah no there's give and take with with everything man and it's i i can see what you're saying i can see like especially with the creative minds especially when they're coming together and uh like especially like with an author like you if you write a book like one way and someone sees something another way but you've had it pictured in your head this way the whole time and they're coming at you with this like it's i i could just see war <laughs> yeah i mean the thing was me and my editor worked really closely together until you know on every book except for nuke your brain bring me a dream and ka everything else me and my editor were like you know head to head with everything okay and um he was my development or developmental editor and not to try to go into a you know big college lecturer about this but you have all these different types of editors one of them's called a developmental editor and he's the guy that basically reads your story and he's the one that tells you no that doesn't make sense or no this you know well what if this you know he's sort of like your uh professional beta reader which is a different thing entirely but he's kind of the guy that's just sort of gives you that you know well what if this happened you know and he gives you a wall to you know push against you know what i mean he He's the one that makes sure that you don't have plot holes everywhere. Make sure that everything makes sense and it all fits together. He's the guy that's like the outsider that he's more or less your outsider that, you know, sees it from a bigger picture more or less. Okay. No, that makes sense. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So it's sort of like, I mean, you're the main writer, but they're the developmental editor is what to do. Their, their job is to handle the structure to make sure everything is sound and, you know, not, Oh, screwed up. Yeah. And we worked together for many novels and we did great together. And, you know, he's had some boneheaded ideas that, you know, I've told him no. And he had, <laughs> I had some boneheaded ideas and he told me no. And, 
you know, that's what I think, you know, made a lot of those books, you know, the under morning star dreamer and snow white murders as great as they were was the fact that I had someone to tell me, no, okay. you know, yep. and, I, and I think the rest of them came out fine. You know, I didn't need him at the end of the day, but I think that the early days, you know, when I first started, I really needed someone there to tell me no before I you. learned. Yes. Not even to guide me, but someone just to be there to be my sort of, you know, the wall to push up against someone to read the stuff and sort of approve it. I guess maybe it was insecurity. Maybe it was just, I wanted an audience member to be there with me or, you know, sort of like training wheels, I guess, yeah. because, you know, the editor was a big, massive horror you know, nut. He was like, you know, he read every horror novel ever. He was great for that because he was my target audience. Okay. And I used him as that, you know, as the tool for that. And he got his money for that too, of course. Yep, yep. And, you know, we were friends and everything, but of course, you know, things end and we had a nasty little breakup and that came from another breakup that happened not long before that. But, um, oh, no. yeah, just, <laughs> uh, one that I'm still paying for at this point, not a marriage, but, you know, mentally paying for the shit oh, that she okay. pulled. Mm. But, um, then she's the reason that KIA exists because she's K. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> wrote 400 pages about this bitch. Whoa, bro. But, um, so hold on. Everyone listening, you got to read that one first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the KIA, the whole thing is, I, I, I almost hate that book. And I think it's a terrible book because. <laughs> you fucking. It, that's not a good sales pitch dude this guy's like it's fucking hey don't read the book it fucking sucks it was a terrible book about an asshole there was an asshole his entire life the guys come up and because of some fucking thought they lived in fucking portland oregon that's what it was and there you go and you just saved you 400 fucking pages this guy just writes a 400 page fucking just fucking bashes it right on the spot instead of trying to sell it but I don't want people to buy it. It's fucking... I wrote it as a revenge piece. I wrote it as a f you to that fucking whore. Okay, so, so it's, it's just out there to be out there. You don't. You don't want the to... suicide diaries was a fuck you to my step family. On top of that, oh, that's one of my best sellers. Really? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! I didn't dude. think that was gonna go anywhere. The suicide diaries was literally a seventy-page fuck you to my fa step family. Wow. That me and my editor somehow made into a coherent story, and people loved it. <laughs> just. Yeah don't and it just it's you said 70 pages no it was 120 pages oh. at the end but i was like in one night i cranked out 70 pages i was so fucking mad Holy about something shit, dude well like, that's yeah. pretty good and it's one of your best you know, some people yeah i mean wow. some people get drunk some people punch your wife and some people just write 70 pages so, fucking angry lock yourself <laughs> in a room and fucking write yeah, all lock yourself in a room turn the lights off and just fucking crank it out and get mad as hell and put on black metal or whatever you want yeah you know the most aggressive music you can just crank this bitch out and don't think about it because you just it has to go somewhere you know like i For said sure. like you have this energy that we all have i'm not trying to be hippie no dude, you I'm know all we have that. energy I'm... man you, know, you have this you have this shit like your your negative energy is going to manifest in some way or another whether it's you know you go to the bar and you just drink to try to calm down yeah. or you punch a wall or you you know, get in a fight or you do just something, this negative anger and, you know, the, these, uh, extroversion emotions of what I could, guess you could call it. I think that's yep. what Manly P hall called it was this, you know, extreme extroversion, like anger and, you know, uh, screaming and hollering and all that shit. Yep. Um, 
those you know hyper negative emotions they that's energy and it has to go somewhere so that's why you scream yell punch people punch stuff you know and i've learned to channel that into writing you know just full-blown just you know just writing something and it's like you know anger and anger negative emotion is probably the best writing fuel on earth and a breakup is the easiest way you know if i want to write a novel i should just go get a girlfriend and dump her after two weeks because i can just you know i can really you know get to work because um the snow white murders is actually written in two weeks it was 350 pages wow in two and weeks. i wrote it in two weeks um Fuck, dude. that was the first draft though not the okay okay final of course you know yeah. the editing wasn't done and, and it didn't even get released until two years later but oh shit um because it just got into development hell after a while i mean the editor couldn't get along not that we couldn't get along we couldn't agree on it and you know just i don't like this book and i don't like it either well let's change this and they were like ah that don't work and it's just mm. it was kind of like the duke nukem forever of our books it just never <laughs> really we couldn't we couldn't agree on the damn thing yeah you know and it was just became a damn mess to finally the point after i fired him and you know went through all that stuff you know just i said you know what i wrote this fucking thing i'm putting it out you know but he just, it's not in the picture and if he doesn't like it he can sue me <laughs> well he can't but because i own the rights to it but yeah he can bitch he can bitch in my twitter dms about it and i just block him i don't give a fuck yeah um you're the bigger man here <laughs> yeah <laughs> just kidding I probably am the bigger man <laughs> um because I, I know i don't know what what is this show really what's the main thing i mean is this like does this show like do drama or anything or is it just talking to random people about random stuff my this is basically dude just be yourself talk fucking have a good time and whatever you want to talk about we talk about like there's just no bullshit there's no room for bullshit here no room for lies it's just fucking getting it just getting it done dude let's go into that fucking drama then because i'm not allowed to do it according to her Okay. Since I've been holding this in for like a year. Get into it, you know, Get the raw fucking... Okay. I met this girl, and she's she's fucking hot. Like, really fucking hot. Long okay. blonde hair, big titties, big ass, 5'3", fucking big, gorgeous blue eyes. Like, you know, I think her eyes were really hazel, but she was fucking hot. Okay. Like, you know, like, I'm... Uh, to me, she was probably at least a fucking nine. <laughs> okay. Or dude. maybe an eight. Now, in retrospect, maybe an eight. But she was fucking hot. Post nut clarity, right? So, yeah. And I, I was with her. I was with her, and the entire relationship fucking sucked. Like, mm. the entire thing was just pulling teeth, and she was wishy-washy and fucking flaky and treating me like shit. And, like, you know, she just, just had this... Treating. She was just flaky. She just was just a she did that hot cold shit man and i just don't play that anymore you know what i mean it's like you know the the problem was we had a decent amount of distance between us okay and that was a part of the problem because you know there was this weird sort of she had this weirdness to her and when we get to the end of the story you'll understand why she was like this okay and um where just like the previous girl from her who was also blonde fucking hot on and on because i have a type apparently yeah you know even there's nothing wrong with you know black hair you know uh black or brunettes or whatever there's nothing wrong with any of that that's fine whatever just not your taste 
No, I'm fine with them. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll fuck anything <laughs> as long as it's over 18 and, you know, halfway decent looking. I'll fuck basically, I have fucked fuck basically anything in that category. I mean, we can get into that at some point, maybe in a future podcast, yeah. talk about sexual escapades and the crazy stories with that shit. You know, fucking right, dude. I, that's, that's the shit I need to hear. Dude. That's the shit I need to hear. But, we'll but stay. the long, the we'll long story short with this girl yeah. is basically... I was with her for two years. She put me through hell. We broke up about a billion fucking times mm. because she would just be wishy-washy and I wasn't playing that. Yep. And she'd come right back the next day and act like nothing happened. And I just accept her because she was hot <laughs> and just because I was fucking retarded. And <laughs> it ended up, you know, like her, she, it came to a head where she said, because one of her big things was that we have to have each uh, text each other with our real phone numbers, not Google voice, nothing else. It has to be a real life number that connects us to directly to your phone because to her it said it made us more of a real couple what? or some shit the fuck is that what does that even mean i don't know we're talking about a portland hippie here yeah okay it works in a that works in a, in a sex shop so just keep yeah, that in mind yeah okay i'll keep that in mind but what the like if you're still talking to someone it doesn't matter how like if you're all about spirituality like you're already fucking yeah. up by you texting but anyways, yeah. keep going. Yeah, that's well, the thing up. was she would never. We barely talked on the phone either because she would just would shit once again. We'll get to that at the end of the story. Okay. Um. <clears throat> so we go through all this shit, and finally she just you know because that was her big thing is this makes us official that we talk to each other on our real numbers or whatever. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. So one night she just says, "Oh well, we can't talk anymore unless it's on Twitter and Twitter DMs." I what said, "What the, the fuck?" You? I was like, okay. So you're already there. And I'm already not happy, you know, because I'm trying to leave Twitter because I hate Twitter and I hate, you know, drama and Twitter is nothing but a bunch of, you know, screeching lunatics. And we're talking about like peak 2018 at the fucking midterms. Okay. Yep. And it was it 20, no 2020. That's what it was right in the middle of this Biden Trump bullshit was oh, going on. Fuck. Okay. So it was right during the, it was right during the fucking primaries and I was already hot, you know, because <laughs> just all the, just not even because of one side or the other it was just because you know how people get it was oh, yeah. right after george the george floyd shit yeah and just you know the place was burning i was always worried about if she was all right or if something was wrong because she lives in fucking portland and they're yeah, always burning shit, shit anything, anything. And, I, and i never know where you know i don't know where she is i can't keep a gps tracker on her you know what i mean yeah absolutely so that kept me high strong and all of a sudden now i can't talk to her unless it's through fucking twitter and i've just I said why and she wouldn't tell me why and I get pissed off and we turn into a fight and she called me an entitled asshole and all sorts oh of stuff, whatever. God. Just you know, all this guilt trip nonsense, you know, that I'm this, that, and the other, and why can't I just go along with what she wants and all that oh. shit? <laughs> all that. I don't even I'm sure that someone has the fucking I'm sure that my ex co author has all these DMs. Mm. Cause he was, you know, kind of a center point to this. So I was like, you know, I'm fucking sick of this woman. And I just told her, you know, I'm fucking done. I'm, you know, I'll talk to you later or whatever. Cause I was so fucking mad. Yeah. 